On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla informs potential Model 3 buyers of a key upcoming change to the $7,500 federal tax credit, Giga Mexico is about ready to start construction, Tesla opens its second V4 supercharger, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 415 of Ride the Lightning. It's your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 16th, 2023, though I am recording this week's episode a little earlier than usual. It is Thursday evening rather than the Friday night that I usually record. Uh, I've got a little trip, as I mentioned at the end of last week's show. I'm off to St. Louis for a little baseball excursion with my baseball-loving uncles that we all live scattered around the country, so I'm looking forward to that. So, as always, by virtue of me recording a little earlier than usual, if anything big breaks, or I guess it would be better to say, if anything big broke on Friday, I will cover it in plenty of detail on next week's podcast. Now, speaking of that, next week is the big quarterly earnings call episode. It's going to be fun. And in anticipation of that, I made it the subject of this week's Patreon poll, which you can vote on every week at my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You do not have to be backing me on Patreon to vote in the poll. It is open to the public. So the question this week was simply, what are you most hoping to hear about on next week's earnings call? 58% of the votes, and there were over 200 of them again this week, so thank you all for voting. 58% of you voted for a Cybertruck production status update, with 22% of you saying you wanted to see a Generation 3 vehicle timeline update. 14% of you voted for something on FSD version 12. 3% looking to hear about the Giga Mexico groundbreaking, which hasn't happened yet, but stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit more about Giga Mexico later on in the podcast, and another 3% voting something else, and there were some good comments on this one. So Jared Brown saying analysts will want to hear about profit margins given the price cuts that at least partially led to the record delivery and production numbers. Darren Workman in the Cybertruck group saying, I am very excited about hearing something about Cybertruck deliveries. Keith Fernandez saying, As a shareholder, I am most interested to see what the gross margin per car is with the price cuts and incentives being offered. As a Cybertruck reservation holder, I am most interested in Cybertruck updates and the start of deliveries. Uh, And Anthony Edington saying, there are too many things to be excited about. Looking forward to the call. So again, thank you all for voting. Thanks to those of you who commented as well. And we will get to that earnings call Before you know it, it's coming right up next week. Now, to get things started, a small but very, very notable update in the design studio this week. And see, I wasn't kidding on last week's podcast when I said that I should start a weekly design studio segment to cover the seemingly weekly changes that happen in the design studio. But anyway, this message about the federal tax credit now shows up on the Model 3 page of the Design Studio, but notably, 
not the Model Y design studio page. So the Model 3 page says, quote, customers who take delivery of a qualified new Tesla and meet all federal requirements are eligible for a tax credit of up to $7,500, reductions likely after December 31st. So there are two things here about what that likely might mean. And I think that either can be true or both might be true. So number one, the stipulations about mineral sourcing in the battery packs changes from year to year as part of the Inflation Reduction Act's EV tax credit, as the law is written. More and more of the battery pack will need to be sourced from either the United States or a trade partner of the United States in order to qualify for the credit. Again, those those percentages are going to go up year over year. Now, the LFP packs that are in the Model 3, the base Model 3, of course, are sourced from China. So that's one piece of this. And item number two here, and this is admittedly a lot more speculative than, than the battery thing I just told you about, But number two, Project Highland. Yes, we're talking about it pretty much every week at this point, and we might just continue to do that until it's actually out, which I'd be more than happy to do because I'm personally really excited about the Project Highland Model 3 revamp. And so we know that's on the way, and possibly slash probably right around that time, meaning the end of the year or specifically early 2024. And remember that it is possible, I've talked about this uh, in recent episodes, it's possible that the initial Project Highland Model 3s that are delivered in the United States might be coming out of Giga Shanghai because Shanghai, by all reports, seems to be tracking ahead of the Fremont factory in terms of retooling for Project Highland. So if Tesla ends up shipping Highland's over here to the United States from Shanghai, those cars would also qualify for that reduction in the tax credit rather than the full thing. So in short, if the tax credit is more important to you than any refreshed look of the car or any other updates, maybe you know to the interior as we're expecting or anything else, any other update that the Highland is gonna bring, I would certainly advise you, if you can, buy your Model 3 before the end of the year. Uh, You will get, yes, the quote-unquote old design. It's not old yet. It's still, until there's a new one, it's not old. And I say that as a Model 3 owner myself. Uh, But yes, act soon if you can, if indeed that tax credit is applicable to you and something that that you value more than a refresh look of the car. All right, next this week, I hope all of you that are kindly backing me at that $10 ludicrous tier or higher on my Patreon page enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode that I do every week on Patreon. And this one was timely, I thought. It was a good time for it. My nine predictions for next week's earnings call. So if you're backing me on Patreon, be sure to check that out if you're interested. And if you're not backing me on Patreon, perhaps this will be the week that, uh, that I'm able to nudge you over the top on that. Maybe you'll consider doing so. You can go to my Patreon page to learn more. 
You can find that on patreon.com slash Podcast. That $10 tier that I mentioned a second ago, that's the one that, that most people are on. That's probably the sweet spot, if I'm being honest, because you get not just that weekly lightning round extra mini episode on Patreon, but you also get early access to each week's episode. And in fact, the Patreon backers got even earlier access this week since I had to record on Thursday. And just as a quick reminder on the Patreon front, if you want to do an annual pledge rather than the monthly thing, just pay once to to support me for a year, which again, I'd be super grateful if you chose to do that. You get a 10% discount if you do that annual pledge. And there is a free seven-day trial on Patreon for that $10 a month tier. So that's available to you now as well if you'd like to try it out on Patreon. Just see what it's like to to get those perks to back on Patreon uh, to get those those weekly lightning round episodes. And then if if you like it, hopefully you'll stick around and, and continue to pledge at that $10 a month tier. All right, here goes the meat of this week's episode. As usual, there is plenty of meat to chew on or, or veggies, if you're a, a vegan, you know, there's plenty of good, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely a fan of a, a nice cauliflower, you know, steak, kind of, it's, it's good stuff. So anyway, back to Tesla. A follow-up on the Giga Mexico story that I told you about last week. Recent comments from Nuevo León Governor Samuel Alejandro García Sepulveda suggest that the permits for Tesla's Gigafactory Mexico are progressing forward. The official also estimated that at any moment now, the first stages of the factory's build-out would begin. Thank you to Tesla Rati for writing this up. And their story, their summary reads in part with a quote. It starts with this. We do not yet have a date for when, but the good news is that all the permits for the environment, energy, water, everything is already checked. It is advancing. So at any moment... We are going to give them the news that the first stone is being laid, said the governor. Interestingly enough, Teslarati writes, the governor mentioned that the design of the vehicle that will be produced at the upcoming facility is already in its final stages, as noted in a Millennio report. It will then be unsurprising if Tesla holds an unveiling event for its next generation platform within the coming year or so. Quote, What we have of information is that right now, they are already in the final stage of the design of the new car, a new model, which is going to be, as far as we know, the best electric and economic car in the world, and it is going to be a milestone. So now, yes, with the design finished, what we know is that they are already finishing the production lines, the software, and everything that must be ready to start the plant, the governor said. Well, this is clearly good news. First of all, it's great to hear that many of the bureaucratic red tape hurdles have already been cleared on the Giga Mexico project. I'd also have to imagine that when that groundbreaking ceremony happens, that Elon Musk will be there. I can't imagine he wouldn't be. And will Tesla... my, My question that I wonder aloud with to you now is... Will Tesla try to make that groundbreaking ceremony happen sometime in the next few days in order to get it in ahead of the Q2 earnings call? 
so that they would have an extra big bit of good news to share on that earnings call and in that shareholder letter. I'm sure they'd very much love to do that, but it might not quite be fully in their control as to when they can get shovels in the ground. But still, earnings call or no earnings call, we know that Tesla wants to move as quickly as they possibly can on this, so they're not going to waste a single day. They will get those shovels in the ground as soon as they possibly can. The second thing I wanted to mention here is that I find it rather surprising to hear the governor in this case, a bureaucrat and a government official, mention anything about the Generation 3 car because the news, or at least according to him, the design being nearly finalized, that's significant news. So perhaps that is something that we are going to hear about on the imminent earnings call. However, I have to to very kindly point out, history also tells us that with rare exception, information with that kind of, shall we call it, security clearance, we're talking Elon level, Franz level, design team level, maybe some top level engineers, that level of information about what's going on with the next generation vehicle generally doesn't make its way outside of Tesla's own walls before they are ready to announce it themselves. So with all due respect to the governor, I think we have to take what he said with a grain of salt. Now, it is entirely possible that even if he's not sharing actual firsthand information given to him by Tesla, that he's right anyway. There's a reasonable probability that the Generation 3 car's design is nearly done. I guess my point is, maybe the governor shared something that he wasn't supposed to, or maybe he was told something, but is taking kind of a logical leap on whatever the something else that Tesla told him is. But either way, this Gigafactory and the Generation 3 car They are moving along, even if we're not physically seeing any progress publicly yet. There's no progress that we can see with our own eyes happening in Mexico. And that's exciting because this, I just, I I have to remind you, I mean, you all know this, but this is going to be the car that puts the nail in any economic argument for a gasoline-powered vehicle. Sure, ICEs are not going to go away overnight. There are going to be plenty of people that want to have a you know gas-powered classic car or whatever the case may be. This is one class of car, a, a very economical, compact-sized vehicle, but which, again, is not going to be for everybody. But even though the total cost of ownership has already favored Tesla over the course of of five years to a comparable ICE for for quite some time, Tesla still haven't been able to win the -the out-the-door cost comparison. Although, thanks to the recent incentives on the, what I guess we can fairly call the outgoing Model 3, ahead of the Project Highland revamp, as well as the fact that the federal tax incentive from the Inflation Reduction Act is now locked in through the remainder of the decade, the Model 3 is getting pretty darn close to winning that 
economics battle, that TCO battle, just outright, right out the door, compared to a comparable gas car. But anyway, what I'm saying is the Generation 3 car is for sure going to be the one that's going to cost less out the door, so right from the jump, no incentives, no anything, but it is also going to have tax incentives, significant ones, for qualified buyers and have a lower operating cost, i.e. fueling cost, electricity is cheaper than gas, and a lower total cost of ownership than a gasoline car. In other words, the Generation 3 Tesla is going to win every category. It will also, I should add, be safer than any comparable gas car, and it will probably, though this one's maybe a little less certain, but it will probably also outperform any comparable gas car in, a, in the zero to 60 department, even if it turns out that there's no performance version of the Gen 3 car, which honestly, I kind of don't think there will be a performance version of the Gen 3 car. I think that anybody who wants a, shall we call it maybe a hot hatch or something more sporty with more performance, I think those folks are probably going to need to step up to the Model 3 performance, even though I realize that the Model 3 isn't a hatch, so you can't call it a hot hatch. But I really think that there's a very good chance that the Generation 3 car is just doesn't even try to play in the in the high-performance sandbox, that it is going to be all about just moving the needle on Tesla's core mission statement, which is converting the world to sustainable energy, sustainable transport. And the way you do that is with the most affordable, most economical cars you can. And, a, you know, $50,000, $60,000, maybe not that much, but let's say a $50,000 performance Gen 3 car, the, the number of buyers that would want that compared to the, the volume of production that the Gen 3 car is going to be doing, you know, in the order of three to five million cars a year, it's probably too small for Tesla to bother with. Again, those that percentage of folks, that small percentage, which by the way, I would 100% put myself in. Let me make that clear. I'm not, I'm not trying to to talk down at anybody. I, I am in that group. I want the fastest Tesla that I can afford. And a, and a small performance Gen 3 Tesla would be really appealing to me, uh, particularly living here in San Francisco where the streets are tight. You know, things it's, there's not a lot of space to, to park and to operate. But I really think that, that this car, the Gen 3 car is going to be all about purely volume and economics and affordability and that performance versions that that, that relatively small percentage of buyers that Tesla is going to try and just move those people over to the performance model three. Anyway, to wrap up on this story, here's hoping that we do indeed get that giga Mexico groundbreaking ceremony any day. Now we'll see if it happens in time for next week's podcast. Next up this week, Tesla has quietly opened its second V4 supercharger station in Europe, this time in France. The new supercharger comes nearly four months after the company opened its first V4 station in the Netherlands, 
and will eventually offer much higher charging speeds and be better able to accommodate non-Tesla EVs. I saw this story written up on Drive Tesla Canada who writes, the V4 supercharger station in France went unnoticed until its opening late last week. The site is located at the Ibis Hotel in Clermont-Ferrand and features 12 V4 stalls. By the way, I apologize to any French listeners if I butchered those uh, the names of that location. One of those is also a pull-through stall, making it much easier for Tesla owners towing a trailer to plug in and charge up their car. The site also features a large canopy covering 11 of the 12 stalls. While the cover is actually less of a cover and more of a steel structure at the moment, it will eventually be finished with solar panels. Tesla's two V4 supercharger stations currently offer the same charging speeds as V3, but based on the specs printed on the individual stalls, it is capable of delivering charging speeds of one megawatt or 1000 kilowatts in the future. The speeds are currently lower than that because Tesla is still installing the same infrastructure to support the V4 stations as it does with its V3 stations. Aside from faster charging speeds, one of the other advantages of the V4 superchargers is a longer charging cable. This makes it easier for non-Tesla EV owners whose charge ports are located on other areas of their cars to plug in. This would prove very helpful when Tesla opens up their supercharger network to Ford, GM, Rivian, and others next year in North America, but we have yet to see any signs of a V4 installation in North America. We also don't know when that will change, but we do know that we will see thousands installed over the next few years. As part of their deals with other automakers, Drive Tesla has learned the automaker agreed to a massive ramp up of V4 installations in North America by 2027. Thank you to Drive Tesla Canada for that one. Well, this is how it started with the V3 superchargers as well. There were a couple of pilot locations. In that case, they happened to be right near the Fremont factory, presumably so that Tesla employees could easily get to them and test them out. And these two in Europe are obviously not near Giga Berlin or any other Tesla facility that I'm aware of. But anyway, I am curious how long it's going to take for Tesla to stop producing V3 superchargers, to stop rolling those out altogether and instead for every new supercharging station around the world to be a V4. I mean, it's not just the higher power output. It's, as Drive Tesla Canada noted, it's that longer cable as well, and the fact that the stall in the V4 supercharging parking space is placed in the center of the back of that parking space rather than off to one side when combined with that longer charging cable, will help it reach the non-Tesla cars' charging ports. By the way, a side note here, a friend of mine was texting me this the other day, and I think he made a great point, and that is this. With all of these other car makers now signing on to use the NACS plug, are those companies also going to have to move their charge port locations to either the back left of the new cars starting in 2025, or maybe the front right of the car in order to ensure that those cars are 
as compatible, as easily compatible with V3 stalls and V2s as well as V4s that it might pull into. I think that's another piece of this that I would imagine that Tesla has surely thought through in its negotiations with these other automakers that I feel like that maybe we, or at least I'll speak for myself, I have not given the proper amount of of brain power to, to stop and consider. So I think that is certainly another piece of this that bears consideration. Next up this week, a couple of interesting updates from the Boring Company, which I know isn't directly Tesla-related, but it's certainly Tesla-adjacent. For starters, and this comes via Teslarati, but I also want to send a thank you out to listener Chantal Georges uh, Melendrez. Again, apologies if I've if I've mispronounced that. From Henderson, Nevada, for Nevada. Pardon me. See, I I catch myself. You guys retrained me a while ago. It's just for some whatever reason. I guess I was brought up to say it wrong to say Nevada. It's Nevada. I know. I <laughs> I caught myself. Anyway. Thank you to Chantal out of Henderson, Nevada for the initial heads up on this story. And Teslarati writes, The Boring Company's Proofrock 2 set a new milestone after reaching Encore and Westgate near the Las Vegas Strip in just 10 weeks, meaning the, the boring, the actual tunneling process. Proofrock 2's arrival in Westgate marks another milestone for the Boring Company's Vegas Loop. The Boring Company's updated tunnel boring machine took 10 weeks to mobilize, launch, tunnel 2,350 feet underground, and retrieve. According to the Las Vegas Review Journal, which is the newspaper up there, the boring machine used for the Las Vegas Convention Center loop, let me try that again, called Godot, took 10 weeks to launch. The Boring Company aims to open the Westgate station of the Vegas loop by the summer, which is now, <laughs> so soon, I guess. Vegas Loop Station will be connected to the Las Vegas Convention Center via the LVCC Loop. The Westgate Station will surface at the Riviera Station, located at the Convention Center's West Hall parking lot. And, as Chantal mentioned to me as well, the Loop just hit the 1 million passenger mark, and the county has now approved a total of 69 stations. Nice for the complete project. Well, this one, see, I I did want to do this story because to me, this is fun to read about. Not only because this is such a smart way to get around the very toasty Las Vegas desert in the summertime, but because it's a zero emissions way to travel, since as all of you know, the vehicles that travel through the boring tunnels are all Teslas. I know that longtime listener and Patreon backer Ryan from Las Vegas has ridden the LVCC loop. I honestly, I would love to. I would really love to the next time I'm in Vegas, which admittedly I haven't been in a while and sadly have no current plans to go, but whenever it happens, I'm going to make a point to do it. Now, when I said a second ago that the vehicles that travel through the boring tunnels are Teslas, we're of course talking about Model S's, Model X's, Model 3's, and Model Y's. For now, the other fun little nugget connected to this this past week came courtesy of Twitter user Jacob Orth, who posted a walk around video of a boring tunnel shuttle bus like EV, a pod, basically, 
sitting down in the bowels of the Boring Company's Las Vegas headquarters. It is a 12-passenger van-like thing, complete with a Tesla steering wheel. It looks like a Model 3 or Model Y steering wheel. In the front, on the left, where it normally would be in a left-hand drive Tesla. This vehicle is, is black, but most of it's just glass. It's basically just a giant bubble, which certainly doesn't do you much good when you're down in the tunnel. Although actually, now that I think about it, I think they do have cool neon lighting down in the tunnels when you're riding through. So maybe there is some benefit to having an all-glass shuttle bus of sorts after all. But uh, if you take a look at the video and this, this prototype, it looks like a very basic, very rudimentary, probably an initial rough prototype version of the mostly glass shuttle that you may remember or can look up online now that Tesla showed in their original concept video when the Boring Company launched. That, If you remember from that rendered video, it had a passenger vehicle lowering down from the street level into the tunnel and then proceeding through. So I wonder if this thing is ever going to get produced because I think Tesla's probably asking themselves, as they are uh, very much dedicated to efficiency above all else, is it more efficient for Tesla to make a bunch of those 12-seater shuttle things? I mean, they'd probably have to basically be hand-built since there aren't exactly too many boring company tunnels around the world just yet to, to justify Giga Nevada or anywhere else having a production line for them. Or is it more efficient for Tesla to just continue to use, say, six-seat Model Xs that they already have an, an efficient production pipeline for. I My opinion is this. After following Tesla and covering Tesla for so many years, my gut leans toward the latter, that they would go with Xs and, and potentially Model Ys rather than actually spending resources to build this glass bubble shuttle thing. But it's Tesla, so you can never be too sure. Finally, actually no, two more stories for you this week. This next one, also not directly car related, but close enough, since it does affect the progress of the full self-driving project, AKA perhaps the single biggest AI project ever undertaken by man to date. Elon Musk has quietly acknowledged that the Dojo supercomputer is operational. Omar, who's the Tesla superfan who runs the whole Mars blog Twitter account, tweeted, Tesla Dojo is now online and handling production workloads. Now, normally, this would be the part where I would stop and point out the complete lack of any sourcing on this. No disrespect to Omar. But in this case, Elon Musk liked the tweet which seemingly gives an endorsement to what Omar was saying. And as such, I think we can now reasonably take that to mean that yes, Dojo is doing stuff. And in fact, the question is how much is it doing? Because once FSD is all neural nets with version 12, of course it's almost all neural nets now, I wonder how much Dojo is tangibly going to be able to shorten the learning time of those neural nets and thus, in turn, 
hasten how quickly we will see updates in our cars and progress on the software in our cars. I mean, I'll tell you this just on the subject of Dojo. My biggest memory of being lucky enough to get to attend AI Day number one back in 2021 was the moment that the engineer in charge of the Dojo project, and and forgive me, I forget his name off the top of my head here, he was holding up a sample Dojo chip. You know, it's it's huge. It's like it's like an eight by eight square. It's not a little you know microprocessor. It's a big old big old platter. But he was holding it up at AI Day One after he talked through the team's plan for it, and you could just see the pride on his face. He was so proud to show off what he and his team were making, and so. I just think it's really cool to think about him and think about that team now that we know, or at least are reasonably certain, that Dojo is in fact up and running to some extent. It's going to get better, bigger and better over time here, but that it's actually working, that their big passion project is working. Love it. Finally this week, Tesla announced the spring 2023 supercharger location winners. Remember, every quarter, every season, every quarter, you can go onto Tesla's website and vote. You can nominate areas that you want to see superchargers get installed in, and the most upvoted ones will actually get superchargers built there. So the North American winners for this quarter were Again, I'm going to apologize to my my French-Canadian friends listening to this. Gatineau in Quebec, Brick Township in my home state of New Jersey, Bryce Canyon City in Utah, Park City in Utah, and Cherokee, North Carolina. In Europe, we've got three in Poland and two in Hungary, plus five in South Korea, and as Tesla's official Tesla charging Twitter account notes, three bonus global sites, quote, just for fun. Ashland, Wisconsin, another French one that I'll pre-apologize for, Bergerac, France, and Bangor in the United Kingdom. So as I've said before, I adore this program. I love that Tesla is involving the community in this. And I just think it's a great way to foster enthusiasm in the community and let the community, aka us, know that the company is listening and it is wanting to act on behalf of its customers, of its enthusiastic owners. So that's awesome. And so, of course, this means with the results of the spring 2023 round now final, the summer 2023 ballots are now open. So if you'd like to go nominate a town or a city that you think needs a supercharger station, you can go to tesla.com slash supercharger dash voting forward slash overview. That is the URL to go to. All right. Uh, Before I get to the Ride the Lightning hotline, let me mention a few quick friends of the podcast for this week. The CCF raffle rolls on. So again, Would you like to win a Tesla of your choosing, including, yes, the Cybertruck? And in doing so, help a great cause while you're at it. 
So the ninth annual Tesla raffle from the Chicago Chesed Fund, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families in crisis, that raffle is happening right now. The CCF is funding 80 plus programs and services right now with the goal of helping families get back on their feet by offering goods and services like food, furniture, jobs, etc. And as I've been mentioning these last few weeks, including just now, you can win an S, an X, a 3, a Y, or a Cybertruck, or $50,000 in cash. For your chance to win, head on over to ccfraffle.com where you can get $25 off of two tickets or $500 off of 15 tickets by using the promo code RTL. The early bird deadline has now passed. The main raffle is ending on Sunday, August 20th, or when 9,999 tickets have been sold, whichever comes first. So get your tickets today before they sell out at ccfraffle.com. Use that promo code RTL to get that $25 off of two tickets or 500 off of 15 tickets. That's ccfraffle.com, promo code RTL. Now, a new friend of the podcast to mention here real quick, Bird Dogs, makers of some really comfy and nice-looking shorts and pants, specifically for men. They're targeting men with this. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look, something I sure as heck need help with. They're kind of like, think of it kind of like Lululemon, but with a way better fit, and definitely a better fit than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. So how, how do they pull this off? They fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. I've got a few pairs and I can confirm this. So that it's also a sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. They were nice enough to send me three pairs. So I got a pair of shorts, a pair of khakis, and a pair of joggers. So far, the joggers are my favorites. Really nice material, super comfortable. I also appreciated that they have a sense of humor. If you go to their website at birddogs.com RTL, the header image, instead of just two models modeling their clothes, which it is, but it's a parody of Dumb and Dumber. And you'll see what I'm talking about if you go to their website. And I just, and that sense of humor is all throughout their, their website. So I love it. Dumb and Dumber is my favorite comedy of all time. So uh, they've got a sense of humor. They're making some great clothes. I'm really happy with mine so far. I'm going to be bringing the shorts with me on my trip to St. Louis this weekend. So I'll report back on those next week. Anyway, give Bird Dogs a try by going to birddogs.com RTL. And anything that you buy by virtue of using the birddogs.com slash RTL URL will get you a free Yeti style tumbler with your order, which is super cool. So that's birddogs.com slash RTL. You will not want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. Before I get to the ride, the lightning hotline, uh, let me once again mention accelerate auto and their X care warranty package. But instead of the usual spiel for me here, I wanted to bring in the CEO, KJ Gimbel, and the COO of Accelerate Auto, Milad Davidi. Guys, you have a couple of new things 
that I thought it would be best to just tell the audience directly from straight from your mouths. Uh, the first one, again, you guys are really separating yourselves from Tesla's very recent fixed 25,000 mile extended warranty package. You are now covering batteries and drive units. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And hey, Ryan, it's great to uh, great to be on. We are uh, excited about everything that's coming up in the next couple of months. But the Xcare new editions for uh, for well starting next week will be the battery and drive unit coverage. This is something that we've been working on for better part of a year and a half. Uh, this is going to be a you know, it, we did it specifically for the market to, to expand the market and solidify the market, uh, stabilize resale values, accomplish all kinds of things. But the, but for the bigger point, we did it as owners. We knew that this was something that we needed to have that the market would do really well with. Um, and we've had a lot of people that have, that is the number one question that we get. Do, do you cover battery and drive unit? So we are uh, announcing that we will effectively be selling uh Selling offerings with battery and drive unit coverage. So now you've got literally the entire car front to back. I mean, not not the wearables like brakes, but effectively the entire car you can now get covered. Correct. That is yeah, awesome. and up, up to up to and we'll, 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 our ambitions here were were one we were very ambitious. I mean, we're trying to cover the battery and extend the life of the battery pack, right? I think to a lot of normal people out there, the life equates to the warranty, and we're trying to do double. The existing manufacturing warranty, manufacturer's warranty, and that's that's kind of kind of the sweet spot of what we were uh, trying to accomplish from day one. Yeah. Uh, now, what about people with existing X Care policies? Maybe some folks in my audience that have taken advantage of that hundred dollar off Lightning discount code that you guys have been kindly offering. Can they upgrade their policy? How can they get in on this at all? Yeah, so we were specifically thinking about all those people, right? We do know we have thousands of people that have already purchased Xcare all around the country. Um, so we specifically wanted to make a uh, just a battery and drive unit warranty bespoke, right? Standalone, just for those two, those components that have different longevities, really to take you, you know, seven, eight, nine years past uh, from whenever they purchased it, uh, at least eight. Eight years, uh, or not at least, at most eight to uh, nine years past your factory warranty. Um, so there, there's going to be a special offering just for people that are just looking to cover battery and drive unit. So it, there's no crossover in between coverages. Excellent, love that. Now the other piece of this that I wanted to hit on real quick, because this is the real, like that's great. Don't get me wrong, but the sort of fun, more exciting part, I think, is this this next thing. You've got something special cooking. For all of the future Cybertruck owners out there, yes? Yeah, we've been, uh, for for the better part of, well, since, what, November of 2019, while we were all trying to figure out Cybertruck and all became reservation holders, we were, we were uh, anticipating there being a, a massive aftermarket appeal uh, for this, you know, similar to where Jeep Wrangler was when, when, uh, when a lot of those aftermarket companies started up, so we decided that we were going to search out to find lending partners uh, to help us create structures that would allow for Cybertruck reservation holders to finance in the cost of their upfits uh, rather than having to put them on a high interest credit card or pay cash for them. Um, so this would mean reservation holders could configure their vehicles with any upfitter, any vendor. Uh, we're, we're actually taking uh, vendor applications right now 
uh, and we would uh, we would be able to uh, potentially advance for the entire cost of the upfit. So whether that's like a you know a light ship RV attachment on the high side or down to you know wraps lights wheels tires potentially lift we don't know what that looks like yet but but anything from you know 15 to a hundred hundred thousand dollars on top of the cyber truck costs is what we're looking to do um, interest rates being at where, where they're at right now we felt like that was a very compelling thing to come out with simply because there are so many people that are going to want to customize their cyber trucks and they have so much time on their hands while they're waiting for theirs to be <laughs> yeah. built that the wheels are going to be turning. Awesome. And now, so this episode is releasing on July 16th when this is all, all of this that we've just talked about is, is in effect now, correct? On the website? Yes, that's correct. Yes, we are. We are uh, as far as battery and driving, you can go on our website, accelerateauto.com right now. And, and we are trying to do things in a, very uh, you know, direct-to-consumer e-commerce platform way. Uh, you can go right now and purchase Xcare with battery and drive unit coverage uh, as a as a package. Uh, you can also uh, submit your application for your Cybertruck if you want to be really early to the game. Uh, you know, you can play with calculators that we have on our website. That's on the on the fleet side of things. So just. Uh, just click on the fleet button and it'll take you straight to the calculator. You can include your, your, your potential costs for upfitting and literally include your charging infrastructure costs, any of your, your, your cost per kilowatt hour for battery usage and, and bring that all the way down to a total, uh, total cost of, of operation uh, down to the dollar. So uh, you can do that right now. And then obviously once you're, once Tesla, you know, puts a configurator online and everybody's starting to, to get, uh, to get excited. Then you can submit your application and, and, uh, get approved for it. But yeah, right now you can play around with the calculators, let your, let your math brain go wild until you dial in what you want to do. Great stuff guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Here we go. It's Ride the Lightning Hotline time. If you'd like to call in and possibly be featured on the podcast, I welcome and invite you to do so. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and email it my way. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. The toll-free number for that is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Dan from Idaho Falls. Hey, Ryan, this is Dan from Idaho Falls. I'm a previous Podcast Unlocked listener, now a Ride the Lightning listener. Um, I'm a yet-to-own-a-Tesla listener, and so I have a question for you. I'm currently saving up to purchase a Tesla, um, hopefully by 
the beginning of next year. And so my first question for you, I'll probably call in and ask a few questions on during my journey of saving up for a Tesla. But if you had to buy a Tesla today and you had a uh, budget between 30 and 35,000, would you rather opt for a 2017, 2018 Model S 100D or would you go for a 2020 Model 3 Long Range? Thanks for all you do. Love the show. Dan, welcome to the hotline, and I appreciate you following me over from Podcast Unlocked here to Ride the Lightning. I am here for you if you have any questions along your journey. I want you to know that. Feel free to email or call in anytime. Now, as to your question today, of the two choices that you're considering, Personally, I would take the 2020 Model 3 long range. It's got longer range, a newer MCU in it for zippier touchscreen operation. It's got newer autopilot hardware if you want to take advantage of any of those features. It's got the ability to get faster, I guess I should say quicker, if you buy the $2,000 acceleration boost software upgrade at some point. And it's got the OctoValve for better cold weather efficiency. Really the only thing that the 2017 Model S 100D offers that that 2020 Model 3 long range doesn't is substantially more cargo volume. Now, certainly looks are a piece of it and those are subjective. You might think the Model S looks better. You might like the Model 3, but of the sort of fundamental objective things, it's really the cargo volume and that's not insignificant. I know that. So... For me, I would definitely choose the Model 3 in your case, and I hope that helps you out as you make your big decision on your Tesla journey. Thanks for calling in. Alonzo from D.C. is next. Go ahead, Alonzo. Hey, Ryan. This is Alonzo from D.C. I'm calling about the new uh, internal cabin camera for full self-driving. I've got a 2018 Model 3 like yourself, and it seems like now uh, the alert for paying attention is always there when you're using full self-driving, whereas as we were coming up through the full self-driving beta, it used to be kind of leisurely and enjoyable to look around and see what's going on outside of your car, um, knowing that as long as you had your hand on the wheel, things were going to be good. But now it seems like it pings so many times that your eyes are not directly in front of you, or if you look down and pick up some water or something like that, you're, you're getting penalized. And doesn't that defeat the purpose of full self-driving and the whole robo-taxi? And basically everything I paid all that money for back in 2018 uh, that Elon promised us, a, a more relaxing, enjoyable drive if I'm not um, using manual operations. Uh, the way it is now, I just feel like just driving my car instead of using my full self-driving that I paid for. Uh, like your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Alonzo, thank you for your call. And I know this is going to sound weird to start my response this way, but I want to start with an apology. And that is, I'm sorry to make this about me for a second, but just, just humor me for a moment. You are not the first person to call in who has felt like the FSD betas keep your eyes on the road warnings have gotten way more prevalent since that cabin facing camera started being used. And so the making it about me part for a second here is, I'm starting to wonder if my camera is like pointed slightly away from me or that something else is going on with my car because I've only ever once, one time, been told to keep my eyes on the road. 
by my car. And I will say it was a legit warning. I had it coming. I had been doing something on the screen for too long while the car was in motion on autopilot, but that's been it. And I use it every single day. So that's just my weird little anecdote. And back to your call now. So I agree it can be frustrating and it can make the drive less relaxing than if you were driving manually. But I do think Tesla will dial it back as as the system advances. Level three, uh, I believe, requires eyes on the road, but not hands on the wheel. And of course, level four will uh, level four. I, I accentuated that weird level four will allow you to sleep in the car. So we've still got a long way to go. And the progress, as you've already seen, isn't linear. Hopefully Tesla can dial in that cabin facing camera induced warning a bit better here very soon. Take care, Alonzo. Thanks for calling in. Next is John from West Virginia responding to another caller from a few weeks ago. Hi, Ryan. This is John from West Virginia. Hey, calling in on the July 4th episode uh, release that you did prior on the 2nd. And the gentleman with the wiper issue, uh, you can use the verbal voice commands to tell your wipers to do auto or off or one, two, three, and four. And they work wonderfully. Also, if you press the end of the turnstock on the left, you can get your wipers to activate. So that pops up that little pop-up menu where you can hit the off button on the screen without having to try to dig through the menus. Have a happy fourth and play with those puppies for me. John, I am more than happy to play with those puppies for you. That's uh, that's. I will do that anytime, anytime. Poor Daisy right now actually is, as we speak, she's, and I hope this isn't coming through on the mic, she's licking her paw quite a bit. She's got a little, like, blistery kind of thing in between, like, between two of her toes on a, on her front right paw, and she was kind of, she was limping a bit earlier. She's, she's back to putting a little weight on it, but I can see it's super red and irritated in there, so, and this is, of course, right before I'm going away for the weekend. I, I called the vet earlier just to check in and they say, yeah, just try to just keep her on bed rest. Basically don't, don't, you know, aggravate it. So hopefully she's going to just have a relaxing weekend and that thing will heal up anyway. Uh, back to Tesla, which is what everybody cares about. Thank you, John. Cause this is a great reminder of that shortcut that you mentioned, which I use often, not so much for the buttons that pop up on the screen, but because I've had a, My experience is usually I have a misty rain that builds up and then the auto wipers just won't turn on as that mist builds up on the glass. So I give it a manual swipe myself. I appreciate that call, John. Let's talk to a different John now as the final caller for this week. John from Sacramento. Hi, Ryan. Quick comment on your episode 403. Congrats on that, by the way. Now, as a former licensed financial advisor, I'd agree with your position that FSD is high-priced and not a great investment by the numbers. However, I think that conflicts with the idea of paying it forward. So, as usual, there's two answers to the question. Elon's comment about the size of the training database does matter a lot for AI. And in that light, using FSD, even in spite of the cost, is 
furthering the mission of self-driving, at least in my opinion. I'm happy to hear your thoughts and, of course, the thoughts of all the other listeners to your show. Have a great day. Ooh, episode 403. My apologies, John, that it took me this long to uh, to respond to your call here on the air. But first of all, thank you for your call. And in response, I will say, I think that you'd find that a lot of the early FSD adopters, I'm talking about the people that bought FSD back in 2016, 2017, even 2018, would agree with you. I mean, back then, you quite literally got nothing for your money. No immediately usable, tangible things, you instead were paying for the promise of future functionality. But you know, everybody's got a number in mind where the value no longer becomes worth the price or vice versa, to to put a more optimistic spin on it. And the $15,000 number is at or well above that number for plenty of folks out there. Now, fortunately, There is the monthly subscription option, which as I've said before, is where I think Tesla clearly wants to push everyone. That's where they want everybody going moving forward. I don't think they really even want to sell the lifetime of the car plans because they can make more money on the monthly plan from everybody if if just more and more people get on that. And then of course, we just had the price increase from 12,000 up to that 15,000 that it's at now back in August, so that's just under a year ago. So hopefully Elon won't see fit to push that number to $20,000 anytime soon. But I will say, I do think it's going to happen eventually, probably once the current FSD beta actually goes away and every paying FSD customer gets the software, which, as you know, we've now been led to believe is going to be version 12. So when that hits remains to be seen, but that's where I see the the pricing going is I could definitely see another price increase happening uh, once FSD 12 goes out wide. Thank you, John. Thank you to everybody that kindly took the time to call in. Please keep those calls coming and I will get to more of your phone calls on the next round of episodes here as I'm here every single week, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, every Sunday. I've got a new Ride the Lightning for you. But I am not done yet, even though we've completed the Ride the Lightning hotline segment. There's still a bit more Ride the Lightning for you, so stay tuned right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Before I get to your pro tip of the week, I have a couple of Tesla takeover updates for you. This is the big, the big Tesla gathering, Tesla community gathering, I should say, of the year happening in San Luis Obispo, California, coming up at the end of July, the last weekend of July, the 29th and the 30th. I will be there. The organizers have kindly invited me to moderate a panel of Tesla podcasters, YouTubers, influencers, So I'll be moderating that panel. That panel is happening at 2.10 p.m. on Saturday, July 29th. If you're planning to attend, I would very much love if you would come and and check out that panel. And then I'll also, they've set this up for me. I didn't ask for it. They're very nice to do it. There is a meet and greet with me. If you'd like to come and say hi, I'm going to have a meet and greet. I don't know exactly where that is yet, I confess, but I think it's at a designated spot. But I've got a meet and greet happening at 12 noon on that same Saturday, so two hours before the panel. So I would love to meet a bunch of you if you're going to the Tesla takeover. 
please come and find me. And if, if neither of those times work for you, hopefully I'll bump into you at some point during, during that day on Saturday. I can't stay on Sunday because uh, I've got a family obligation, but I will be there for that Saturday, July 29th. Really looking forward to it. I, haven't, I wasn't able to make it last year because I was on a family trip at the time. So this will be my first Tesla takeover event, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I hope to meet slash see a bunch of you there. Hey, how about a quick entertainment recommendation before I get to the pro tip of the week? And here is a game that has come a long way. It's not new, but it has added so much content over the years, and I just dipped my toe back in the water on it and had a great time. That game is Sea of Thieves. I believe I mentioned this when it first came out, which I think was five? Yeah, I think it was five years ago. I believe it was 2018. So it's it's been out for some time. It's on Xbox or PC, and it's just, they've added so much to it. They've done a whole official Disney sanctified Pirates of the Caribbean thing with Jack Sparrow. And so there, there's that. I haven't even played that. So there's that whole piece of it you can dig into. And then coming up, there is a Monkey Island tie-in as one of my favorite games and game series of all time, Monkey Island. So they've got a, which was one of my, I could never have guessed that that Monkey Island would come back in that form as a like playable Sea of Thieves quest line. So that's coming up too. So Sea of Thieves is really good times. And it's, what I like about Sea of Thieves too is it's, a, it's really colorful. Like it's a beautiful, pretty game to look at. But but number two, it's also totally family friendly. It's it's not violent. It's not profane. It's like it's just it's very joyous. Like because it's the whole point of the game is you live your own pirate adventure with one or more friends, and you're out sailing the seas, going to islands, going on adventures and quests. And now that, you know, they've got the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, they got the Monkey Island thing coming up. So if, like me, you haven't played Sea of Thieves in a long time, jump back in. It's, uh, again, on Xbox or PC. It's, it's come a long way. All right, pro tip of the week time. A regular caller here dialing in with a pro tip. So thank you to James from the Bay Area for this one. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? James from the Bay Area here with a quick pro tip. Um, yeah, if you have your lights on, you know how it has the green indicator on the far left-hand side of the screen when you have your lights on? Yeah, well, if you go ahead and tap that green indicator, it will go ahead and bring up the menu to your lights. So, yeah, kind of cool. Just another quick way to get to your lighting menu there. All right, Ryan. Thank you, James. I love those little shortcuts that Tesla bakes into the UI. Maybe it's not super great that Tesla doesn't really tell you about those, but it's great to know that it's there because I'm honestly not sure I'd have ever even thought to try tapping that icon on the screen to get that that little shortcut. Thank you so much. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it my way. You can educate me, educate your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts. We're here to share the knowledge, to share the enthusiasm. So you can dial in with that pro tip the same way that you call in with a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call. And with that, let me just mention a few more friends of the podcast before I get out of here. I will start with abstractocean.com. So many great aftermarket Tesla accessories. 
from a lot of lighting related stuff, interior lighting, if you want different colors, something that's brighter than the, at least in my 2018, the interior accent lighting, it's its kind of dim. Like I would like it to be a little brighter if I'm being honest. So if something like that appeals to you, uh, Abstract Ocean's got you covered. They've got the rear footwell lighting kit, which I, as I've mentioned many times, I especially recommend for you Model Y owners because the Model Y seats are on risers. So it'll be more of an obvious thing. Uh, they've got the tempered glass screen protectors, custom fit with using Gorilla Glass uh, for the Model 3 and Model Y screen. Just all kinds of stuff. It's sorted by vehicle. So just click on whichever Tesla you have on abstractocean.com. Pile every accessory that you like into your online shopping cart. And when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word, no spaces. Meanwhile, the snap plate is the front license plate bracket that I recommend if you either want to have a front license plate on your Tesla or are required to by law. You can get yours at everyamp.com RTL. Again, for all four Teslas, I'm sure they'll offer the Cybertruck as soon as the Cybertruck is out. But in the meantime, the SX3 and Y, the bracket can snap on and off in seconds, but when it's on, it's on there securely. And when it's off, it's not leaving any unsightly residue from automotive tape behind, like the one that Tesla gives you will. It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, and autopilot safe. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design. Check it out. Grab yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budgetsafesolar.com is where I certainly would be happy to point you if you're interested in solar for your home or business. I'm sure you'll try Tesla Solar as I did. And if it works out for you with Tesla Solar, great. More solar is a good thing. Two thumbs up. But if like me, for whatever the reason... Tesla Solar doesn't work out for you, I do genuinely encourage you to try BudgetSafeSolar.com. The uh, fine folks there are now offering home battery installations to go with the solar panel installations so they can get you the entire closed loop system. In California, uh, the batteries are now a necessity. So just as as a little heads up, the battery option is there for you now if you go with BudgetSafeSolar.com. Tesla's not the only way to get a home battery. So uh, home or business, whatever you want to do, head on over to BudgetSafeSolar.com. If you do proceed with an installation, I kindly and humbly ask that you use my referral code on that, which is RTL. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and would like to treat your car to a spa day, There's no better place to take it than Immaculate Reflections. That is who has detailed my car for the five years I have owned it. Jeff McGovern is the name of the wonderful human being that runs that place. It's been so great to turn, to have Jeff become a friend. Like not just a, you know, we found each other. He found me a while back before I got my Model 3 and I ended up taking my car to him to get it detailed and I've been back to see him a lot of times, many times since, sometimes to interview him for this podcast about detailing and other times to bring my car in for, I mean, you've heard my stories of 
how the PPF, the paint protection film, has saved me so many times. Like, and I'm not even joking. Like, literally four times it has saved me from having scratched paint or gouged paint or worse. Anyway, uh, Immaculate Reflections offers you a discount because you're a listener of this podcast. So get in touch via his website, which is irdetailing.com. Mention when you contact him through there that you're a Ride the Lightning listener. And if you book in any work, whether that's paint correction to get your paint finished, looking as good as possible, maybe it's paint protection film on the front of the car or all the car or many key areas of the car, or maybe it's ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Maybe it's a couple of those. Maybe it's the whole kit and caboodle. Whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections, I promise you, will take awesome care of your car. So again, that website, irdetailing.com. I mentioned the Patreon at the top of the podcast, but just real quick again, the podcast is always free, but it is listener-supported on a purely voluntary basis via Patreon, And if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a long-running platform where you can support creators that you enjoy on an ongoing basis, uh, whether that's, you know, monthly, as most people do, or as I mentioned at the top of the show, they have that annual option as well. If you just want to pay once to support for an entire year, there's a 10% discount for you if you do take that annual option. But there are a number of support tiers on my Patreon, which the page is patreon.com slash Podcast. There's the $5 tier, which will get you early access to each week's episode. There's that $10 tier that I hyped up at the top. You get the early access and you get that weekly lightning round mini episode. And then it just goes on up from there. So you can take a look on the Patreon page and I uh, would be humbled and grateful if at some point Maybe it's this week, maybe this is the time that you've been listening for a while, you enjoy the podcast, you get a lot out of it, and you say to yourself, you know what, yes, I'm going to go on to patreon.com slash Podcast, and I'm going to be become a backer of Ryan McCaffrey and Ride the Lightning. So check that out if you don't mind. And then the podcast services that you can subscribe to this podcast on, that's always free, it's just the term is subscribing. Some of them say it's following. But either way, you want to follow or subscribe to this podcast for free via whatever your favorite podcast service is. Statistically, most of you get it through Apple Podcasts, aka the artist formerly known as iTunes. But there's also Google Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher for the short remaining time that it's alive. I'm on TuneIn which sadly is almost impossible to get to find me on TuneIn in your Tesla, even though I'm there, but uh, that's I don't need to rehash that. <laughs> I've tried, believe me, I have tried. Uh, I'm also on Spotify, and then newly now I'm on YouTube podcasts as well. That's a new thing. So uh, thank you. to I'm just happy that YouTube is sort of formally supporting podcasts So that's another way you can get it. There's also just the YouTube channel. There's really no video on it, but if that's just an easy, convenient way for you to listen to the podcast with a browser tab open, you can just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and you should find my channel pretty easily that way. Uh, The referral program, 
is on and there are some cool loot box points and actual merch that you can redeem your points for if you either refer someone or you're buying a Tesla and you use someone's referral link. So I suspect, uh, you know, plenty of you out there are in either camp. So if you are looking to buy a new Tesla and, uh, you know, you definitely want to use a referral link so that you get those loot box points that, again, you can redeem for Tesla shirts, pants, jackets, all the merch, or even if you accrue enough loot box points, you can get free supercharging miles, you can get uh, the unlock the software upgrades for your car. So hopefully you've got a family member, friend, or coworkers referral link that you can use. But if I am your primary Tesla person in your life right now and you just need a referral link, please kindly reach out to me either via email, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Instagram or, or tweet me on Twitter and I will happily give you my referral link if you do need one. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm on the same handle for both of those platforms. It's DMC underscore Ryan, owing, of course, to the fact that I owned my original dream car, my childhood dream car, the DeLorean DMC for uh, for 12 years there. So DMC underscore Ryan. You can, uh, as I just mentioned, email me anytime for any reason, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. I'm going to start with the Maximum Plaid crew today because there is a brand new Maximum Plaid backer, which I have typoed in my notes as Baker. I, I'm not sure Matt Kalen is, maybe he is a Baker. I don't know. And maybe he's a maximum plaid baker. He gives it his all when he's baking for all I know, but I'm going to put the C back in there to turn that word from baker back into backer, which is what I meant. But yes, Matt Kalen, thank you so much. The newest maximum plaid backer. And thank you to the rest of the maximum plaid tier folks who are kindly and very generously supporting this podcast. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, and Josh Pennington. Thank you all very much. The Roadster in Space tier backers. Extra big thank you to these extra generous folks. They are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, 
Robert from Near Philly, and Chase Lancaster. Finally, I want to say thank you to the plaid level backers who are grandfathered in and uh, continue to get all the perks that they uh, deserve at that otherwise discontinued tier, but they're very generous to keep pledging at that tier. Thank you very much to George Cassiopo, to David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. For a now snoring Daisy the Boxer, hopefully her paw is going to heal up tonight. She'll do some good healing, feel better in the morning, be able to really get weight back on that paw. That is my hope, uh, and hopefully I have a... Hopefully she's going to be okay without me. And see, now I'm doing the like, uh, you know, worried pet parent thing. But no, she's in good hands. She's in good hands. So um, I'm looking forward to a fun baseball weekend in St. Louis with my uncles. That's going to be a good time. So uh, for any of you in St. Louis, I probably should have asked this sooner. But my plan is, I mean, I don't know. We don't really have a plan other besides going to the games. But uh, I watched a show on Netflix this was this show might have been from a couple of years ago at this point, but it, I really enjoyed it. It was called Fresh Fried and Crispy, and it had this just really awesome food critic hosting it. His name is uh, Dame Drops, I believe is is the name, because I was just rewatching the segment the other day, getting ready for the St. Louis trip. And in the one of the episodes, might have even been the first episode, but in one of the episodes, he so he goes from town to like city to city trying all the best fried food, basically. Uh, so St. Louis is, is one of the, the episodes, and he, he talks about, he tries this toasted ravioli, or T-Rav. And he goes to this place, and they show how, how they're making it, and he eats it, and he's, like, loving it. And it just looked like the most delicious thing. Like, I've never had toasted ravioli, which is basically, like, breaded, deep-fried ravioli. It looked incredible. So my pl- I want to do that. I want to have some of those while I'm in St. Louis because evidently that is a St. Louis thing. So looking forward to trying that out. Looking forward to checking another ballpark off of my my bucket list. You know, I, I would ideally one day love to visit all 30 Major League ballparks. Uh, I'm, I've got like 10 under my belt right now, plus a, a few more that are now gone, that that have been knocked down or or, or or are not played in anymore by major league teams. But in any case, uh, looking forward to visiting St. Louis. Thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast, for, for giving me your time and attention, because your time is so valuable, and I do not take that for granted. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will be back next week with the big quarterly earnings call episode. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you then.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.